This podcast and others are brought to you by everythingvoluntary.com. Voluntary principle states that all human relations should happen by mutual consent or not at all. This podcast aims to promote respect for the voluntary principle in all walks of life and for all age groups. My name is Skylar Collins, and this is Everything Voluntary. Toward a Free Society, a short guide on building a culture of liberty, explores what's needed to achieve freedom. You may download the book for free or purchase it in paperback at everythingvoluntary.com. Hello and welcome to the podcast. Today is March 25th. In this episode, I'm going to review a couple of my essays. We're going to start with one from September 2011 titled, That Time I Was Exploited by a Day Laborer. Okay, here we go. Oh boy, do I feel completely taken advantage of, nay, exploited. I was in dire straits. My front yard was flooding. I wasn't sure why. I figured that my irrigation system's stop and waste valve was broken. It's been broken before. This time, however, the lawn was soaked around that area, so I knew that digging down four feet was going to be super hard with all that added water weight. And it was in the middle of the week, midday. No way was I going to find some help from neighbors, friends, or family. I was absolutely desperate. I called my brother-in-law, and he said he knew someone that was available to help me. They showed up in a half hour. I don't know if it was the color of his skin or his lack of English speaking skills, but I knew that he was a day laborer. I've heard about these guys and how they like to undercut their competition, the licensed professionals, or how they may not know exactly what they're doing. It's a risk to be sure. I can barely manage to say it without getting so upset. He saw how desperate I was and how hard a job I had to do. He knew the only way he could earn my business was to price his services aggressively. And aggressively, he priced them. For the four-hour job, he was only going to charge me $60. I had previously had a plumber take a look at the situation, and he quoted me $700 at a minimum. And And here comes along this day laborer with the balls to offer his services for only $60. No way the plumber could compete with that. This guy knew how to roll him. I felt so ashamed of myself for agreeing on the price and allowing him to do the job. He dug the hole, found that the valve didn't have enough plumber's tape around the connection's thread, replaced it, tightened it, and the leak was gone. My shame caused me to end our agreement before he had a chance to fill the hole back in. I paid him his $60, more exploitation, an unfinished job, and my brother-in-law picked him up. I sure hope I'm never in that situation again, being the easy target that I was thanks to my desperation. I was exploited to the tune of a measly $60. And off he went to exploit again. For shame. (laughs) Okay, now, I don't feel like I was exploited. Not really. Nor do I feel like I exploited this day laborer. I don't remember his name. It's not like he gave me a business card. (laughs) Uh, To the extent that he has to offer his services so low, it's because he's not able to compete in the so-called white market or the legal market, the licensed, if you will, market. And in a totally free market, 
there wouldn't be a licensed market. There'd be a certification market, right? There'd be different levels of certification. And depending on the job, you would look at uh, different types of professionals all competing on, how shall we say, a level playing field. And I feel for the people who go through the education, get the licensing, and you know, then charge $700 to dig up a front yard. They have costs, and they're not willing to take the same risks that other people are. It's kind of interesting. I'm just digging up my front yard. How risky is this legally speaking? Well, a professional, a licensed, uh, I guess we could say legitimate professional, would have certain liabilities. And I suppose this day laborer did too, but I didn't really know him. He probably didn't have any assets. If something happened, I suppose my homeowner's insurance would cover it if he got injured on my property. Yeah, I suppose that's true. But if he damaged something on my property, he wasn't insured. So I was taking that risk, but I was also paying a lot less for it. So I guess that's your trade-off. And he may not have, um, he may not have accomplished what I needed him to accomplish. You know, who knows? He fixed it and then I filled the hole in. You know, I didn't, I didn't keep him around to do it. I actually felt like $60 was more than fair for the work he already had done. In fact, I don't know if it was this guy or another guy, but I think I actually gave him a bit more than what he asked. I think I gave him 80 because I did. I felt like he did uh, a great job. He met my needs and it was worth it to me. I didn't want to get down there and do that back-breaking labor. I had done it before. I didn't want to do it again. And in fact, I had to do it again in a different spot of the yard. There's a lot of things they don't tell you when you buy a house. <laughs> a lot of things that can go wrong that you're responsible for if you want things to work properly. Okay, let's, uh, I think that's, that's about it for that one. Let's go to the next one here. This one was written in May 2018, and it's titled Compounded Ignorance Leads to Hubris. A broken clock is correct twice a day, so the adage goes. I think I'm correct at least as often, possibly, hopefully, more. The other day I had an epiphany of sorts and shared it on Facebook. It went as follows. A person is mostly ignorant. People are ignorance compounded. Government is evidence of people's hubris. I know I was onto something when a friend thought he should confirm whether it was a Collins original. I can't take full credit for the ideas conveyed, though, because they have their antecedents and other ideas I've encountered. Anyway, I thought I'd explore each idea and explain my thinking. A person is mostly ignorant. Despite the protestations of his ego, a person is mostly ignorant about the facts of reality his entire life. Persons who've studied a great deal are usually the first to say that, they, that what they've learned the most is how much more there is to know. It's as if the higher you climb on the mountain, the more you realize just how big the mountain truly is, and more that you'll never approach even the halfway line. But climb, we do. While I think I've studied a lot in my life, I know that it's a fraction of what humanity knows in total, itself a fraction of all there is to know at all. While I still find interest in things and dig in, I'm not as zealous as I used to be to really dig for new ideas. That's not to say that I never encounter new ideas, I definitely do, often. I guess realizing the size of the mountain and impossibility of reaching the top has put a bit of a damper on this area of my life, and I'm at peace with that. People are ignorance compounded. This statement was not meant to say that if we add our ignorance together, we become more ignorant. That's silly. 
If my 5 to 10% of knowledge is partially different than your 5 to 10% of knowledge, then putting it together boosts our knowledge to more than 5 to 10%. I get that. What I meant here was the idea that people as a collective are horrible decision makers. And the more people we cram together to make a decision, the worse the decision is going to be as it concerns the needs and wants of each and every individual. As ignorant as we are, we are probably most ignorant as it concerns what other people need and want to live a happy and fulfilling life. How many of us even know what we ourselves need and want to live a happy and fulfilling life? Ha! And we think we can make decisions for other people concerning their needs and wants? There's only one word to best describe thinking this way. Hubris. Government is evidence of people's hubris. There's very little hub- very little more hubristic than the belief that we can effectively and successfully make decisions for other people that concern their lives, except that this is exactly the basis of government. At the very least, government tasked solely with the protection of life and property must make all sorts of decisions that involve other people. Knowledge, calculation, and coordination are problems even for the so-called night watchman state. Where should we build security measures? What sorts of security measures should we build? Which crimes should we deal with and which crimes should the people deal with themselves? How should we force everyone to pay for it all? And what are we going to do about dissent? There are one-size-fits-all questions and one-size-never-truly-fits-all. Now compound the number of tasks performed by government to include things like managing the money supply, controlling foreign trade, providing welfare and entitlements, regulating business activities, prohibiting nonviolent behavior, etc. ad infinitum. What do you get? Problem after problem. Any economist worth their salt will recognize the futility in using government to solve problems. It never turns out as intended and never without unintended consequences to other people. And these consequences are not benign. They're terrible interruptions to everyone's goal of meeting their needs and wants to live a happy and fulfilling life. The less ignorant I became of the consequences of government actions, the more convinced I was that government is one of the worst ways to make decisions as it concerns other people. I'm glad I learned this early on, and every year the reasons for viewing government action as folly pile up higher and higher, apropos 2020. It's truly astonishing to me how many people still believe in government. Okay, I like that essay. A person is mostly ignorant. People are ignorance compounded. Government is evidence of people's hubris. It's truly astonishing to me how many people still believe in government. Even when the world goes through uh, a horrible quote-unquote leader, somebody like a Donald Trump, who, in the grand scheme of things, compared to things that other U.S. presidents have done, he's really not that bad, right? He was bombastic. He was a clown. He said a lot on Twitter. He got people riled up. He was a bit of a troll. He was loud. He was obnoxious. But he didn't do all of the Hitlerian fascistic things that he was predicted to do. In fact, the opportunity came with the coronavirus in 2020, for him to be more fascistic than he had been. And he didn't take over the reins of power. And he didn't rule with an iron fist. He didn't do what everybody who accused him of having the potential to do wanted him to do. They wanted him to be more of a dictator. 
in the pursuit of protecting us all from COVID, right? It's always in the pursuit of security and protection that we demand these people who we've put above us to, to do, to, to rule that way, to be an authoritarian dictator. He didn't do it. And he was criticized for not doing what they were all afraid that he would do. Donald Trump obviously deranged a lot of people. That's what it was. I'm no fan of Donald Trump, but now that there's been some distance between the country and him, we can look back on 2016 through 2020, and we can see that he was just mostly a blowhard. That's mostly what he was. He wasn't a fascist dictator. He wasn't literally Hitler. And we can see that, for the most part, the horrible things that came out of Washington were horrible things that have always come out of Washington and continue to come out of Washington. What's changed is simply the media's rhetoric, right? Now that their guy is in the White House, now everything is toned down. Now the rhetoric is is changing. I liked how on top they were, how, how on top of Trump they were in every little thing he did and picking it apart. I only wish that they were consistent. I only wish that they didn't have this double standard. I wish that they were equally critical of Joe Biden, but they're not. It's annoying and it's astonishing that people still think that even after 2020, even after all of the various actions that different governments around the world and in the U.S. did and the absolute absence of evidence that their mandates and their lockdowns had any real effect on what the virus was going to do. Places that were loosed should have been devastated, and places that were tight should not have been. And some places that were tight were fine, others were devastated. Some places that were loose were fine, others were devastated. There's no consistency to any of it, which means we can only conclude that what government did didn't matter, except to the effect that government fucked up. It fucked up in different ways. The CDC fucked up, fu fucked up in ways, the FDA, the WHO. They bungled things that they sh ought not to have bungled. There's no reason why we shouldn't have had the rapid testing by last May like other countries did. But the FDA wouldn't allow it. This thing, the whole conversation around it, would have been done by May. In fact, the data shows the pandemic did end in May. The rest is seasonality, and it's going to continue. But too many people thought, never let a crisis go to waste, and... Hubristically, they did what they do. Hubristically and quite ignorantly. Okay, let's do that. We read a couple essays of mine, added some commentary. The time I was exploited by a day laborer from 2011 and compounded ignorance leads to hubris. A person is mostly ignorant. People are ignorance compounded. Government is evidence of people's hubris. That's going to do it. Please remember, don't hurt people. Don't take their stuff. And stop asking permission to live your life however you see fit. Thank you so much for listening and have a better day. Please send your comments or questions to everythingvoluntary at gmail.com. If you like this episode, please subscribe to Voluntarist Voices, a podcast featuring lectures, interviews, and audio essays by intellectual giants, past and present. You can rate and review this podcast in your podcast app.
and please share it with everyone you know. Please consider supporting this podcast and everythingvoluntary.com by setting up an automatic monthly donation at patreon.com forward slash EVC. One-time donations are also accepted at paypal.me forward slash everythingvoluntary. Thank you.